I remember the day he introduced himself. My wife and I had separated several months earlier and, after 15 years of marriage, which included two kids, I found myself with half my weeknights and every other weekend free. I miss my former life terribly. I miss my kids, of course. I also miss the predictable regularity of evenings at home, the dinners, watching TV, and even though I had been emotionally crushed, I also missed my soon-to-be ex-wife. I was about to learn, however, that my pain and my desperation attracted him like a moth to a porch light on a moonless summer night. All of this extra time on my hands had only made me lonelier. As a result, I had taken to hanging out at the bar inside a local Mexican restaurant. I quickly developed a routine. I made it a point to arrive during happy hour so I could grab some cheap eats and wash all the salty, greasy happy hour appetizers down with discounted draft beer. The place really filled up on Thursday and Friday nights. I made sure to leave work early so I could grab a seat. My thinking was that nabbing a piece of prime real estate would facilitate meeting single women, which was something I hadn't tried to do in a couple of decades. I discovered that, for some reason, it wasn't like it had been 20 years ago. I quickly learned that I had become simply invisible to women. Oh, they would ask if anyone was using a bar stool next to me, but after I had replied that it was empty and motioned for them to sit down, they would politely smile, then move the bar stool away to another part of the bar, ignoring me completely after that. Simply put, these single women, even women close to my age, wanted nothing to do with me. Maybe it was because my flirting skills had atrophied, or maybe they could sense I was recently separated and desperate for someone, anyone to talk to. For whatever reason, I inevitably ended up sitting there, by myself, in a bar crowded with flirty singles, sipping my beer and watching sports on TV, alone. Then, on one exceptionally quiet Tuesday evening about six months ago, when I was the only person in the place, he approached and asked, You don't mind if I sit here, do you? Before I could reply or even acknowledge his presence, he was angling himself onto the stool beside me, even though there were seven others available. He was, of course, tall, good-looking, and well-dressed. He certainly had style. I'll give him that. He ordered the only thing I ever saw him drink, a dark and stormy, rum, ginger beer, and lime. Then he struck up a conversation. I soon liked him. He had charisma, a lot of it, a certain air of confidence mixed with brutal honesty, which I found disarming. After a couple of hours and several drinks later, he had managed to pull my entire life story out of me. Wow, he finally said, interrupting my oh-so-boring-and-tragic life. So it sounds like you've been through a lot. Realizing that I had droned on and on about myself, I finally asked, So, what about you? What do you do? He looked down at his second, maybe his third, dark and stormy, and nodded. I'm an attorney. What kind of attorney? I asked. Oh, I'm a personal attorney. A personal attorney? What does a personal attorney do? It's sort of like a corporate lawyer, but for high net worth individuals, he explained. 
So exactly what does a personal attorney do for high net worth individuals? I continued to pry. Ah, let's just say I help wealthy people get what they want. That sounds interesting, I replied. So you help rich guys get what they want, I clarified. Well, I'm not rich. Then, at that point, he asked me, What is it that you want? The beers I had consumed had dulled my discretion, so my reply was what you'd expect after being served divorce papers and after weeks of rejection by any and all available women. I want to be more attractive to women, I said. He threw back his head and laughed a hearty laugh before replying, Well, that's what every red-blooded heterosexual man wants. Are you willing to take some advice? I took a quaff of beer, looked deep into the bottom of the mug while I swirled around the phone and thought. I had seen him, this well-dressed stranger before, here, in this bar, and although not paying close attention, I had noticed that he tended to come alone but leave with a woman, a woman I know he hadn't arrived with. I'd seen him do that on several occasions. Sure, I'm open to advice, I replied. After all, what harm can there be into listening to some advice? Well, he began, I can help you be more attractive to women, a lot more attractive, he said in a calm, reassuring tone of voice, but it will cost you your soul. He noticed that I paused and reflected on that phrase. What do you mean, cost me my soul, I asked. He held out his hand and introduced himself. I'm Dante, he said. Tom, I replied back, shaking his hand. Dante sipped his cocktail, then continued. If you follow my advice, I promise that you will become irresistible to women. But you will also be a changed man. See, I've made a career out of helping people get what they want in life including helping desperate men get women. But that will cost you. Okay, sure, I said, out of some sense of friendliness. So we have a deal, he asked. So what will it cost me again? Dante explained. You're going to have to spend some money, dude, he replied calmly. Then, after another sip of his dark and stormy, continued. No offense, but you dress like you stepped out of the Gap store in 1995. Well, sure, I replied, knowing that I had no fashion sense at all. Then Dante continued. It's also going to cost you your soul, he said, in a rather matter-of-fact tone of voice. At that moment, I thought he was only speaking metaphorically. It didn't even cross my mind at the time, but now, months later, I am convinced that if Dante wasn't the devil himself, he was certainly one of his very manipulative minions. My soul? I asked quizzically. Yeah, like I said, you're going to have to change as a person. You know it yourself. I've seen you here on Friday nights, and I've seen how you're ignored. You know why that is? Is it because, like you said, I dressed like I fell out of the gap in 1995? I half asked and half answered. Oh, that's certainly part of it, Dante responded. But it's more. Continuing. He said, You are putting off all of these goody two-shoe vibes. Dumbfounded, I asked him, What are goody two-shoe vibes? Let me buy you a drink because I like you. I think you are a good man, Dante said, buttering me up. After a fresh beer sat in front of me, he continued, 
I don't mean to offend you, but you reek of a typical 40-something dad who goes to church on Sunday mornings and afterwards goes home to flop down in front of the TV set and watch NFL football until you fall asleep in the middle of the afternoon. I'm not interested in football, I replied. But I know you go to church. I can smell it on you. That sickly, sweet politeness of a choir boy. Yeah, you got me there. I used to go to church, I replied. Used to? Dante asked quizzically. Why did you stop? I don't know, I mumbled. My soon-to-be ex had filed for divorce. My life was falling apart. I prayed hard, really hard, for God to help, I explained. But here I am, waiting for the divorce to be finalized. So after that, it just felt stupid to continue going to church. I remember how cathartic, how good it felt to have someone to unload all my disappointment onto. Dante nodded in understanding. Then, after clearing my throat, I asked my new drinking buddy a very pointed question. Do you believe in God? To my surprise, Dante unequivocally answered, Yes, I know he exists. But he isn't around to help guys like you when you need him, is he? Then, after Dante had finished his last dark and stormy and was settling up his bill, he continued, So if you want my help, you need to understand that it will change you. Then he nodded slowly and used his very deep, authoritative voice to say, Let me give you some more advice. Nice guys like you get ignored by women these days. I know it's not right or fair. It just is. They don't care if you're good or intelligent or funny. Hell, most of them don't even care how much money you make anymore. Today, it's all about appearances and knowing how to play the part. Are you on any dating apps? He asked suddenly. I'm on Tinder and Bumble, I answered embarrassingly, but I don't get any responses. No doubt, Dante scoffed. On dating apps, it's all about your physical attractiveness. And with you being under six feet tall, you're filtered out even before most women get your profile. You got no chance, dude. Then, after he stood up and patted me on the shoulder, Dante continued, See, you're jaded whether you know it or not. And so are the women these days, especially women around your age. I can fix all of that for you. But you, my friend, you need to know that it's going to cost you all that sickly sweet niceness rooted in your soul. So you have to ask yourself, are you ready to sacrifice your soul so that you can start enjoying all the benefits of being a free and easy single? The choice is yours. Unfortunately, when I uttered a drunken yes, my slide into a costly morass of superficial improvements at the hands of my new mentor, Dante, began. At first, he spent a lot of time with me, and I have to admit, I enjoyed his companionship. It was as if he really cared about me as he shepherded me to his hairdresser, his manicurist, and even introduced me to his personal shopper. My credit cards were soon maxed out, as I sported a full head of dark, freshly dyed hair, had immaculately manicured fingernails, and a completely new wardrobe, or threads, as Dante liked to refer to them. It was all very stylish and very costly. My Tom Ford casual suede loafers, 
on discount set me back a cool $800. Dante assured me that they were a steal at that price and that they were a detail that women would notice. I didn't consider how I would be able to pay off my credit cards, but as we were cruising around town in Dante's Tesla S, featuring custom blue metallic paint, I felt more and more confident and assured. Then, with Dante as my wingman, we started going hunting, as he called it. On our first foray into the singles club scene, Dante handed me a good luck gift, a bottle of Creed Aventus cologne to wear. Oddly, I wasn't nervous, but more concerned. I hadn't been intimate with anyone other than my wife in two decades, and in the last few years of our marriage, our intimacy had faded to an afterthought. In my heart of hearts, I wanted now my ex-wife to catch me out, hanging around with Dante, dressed to the nines, and being adored by other women. Yes, that's right. In my heart of hearts, I wanted her, my ex, more than anyone else, not to just be jealous, but also to be attracted to me again. The night came and went, and for the first time in months, several women actually talked with me over the sound of blaring techno beat dance music. Dante had wandered off and was hitting on a couple of tall, blonde model types, while I made small talk with an attractive brunette. The brunette sat her half-finished cocktail down and excused herself to go to the ladies' room just as Dante strolled back over. How are you doing, chief? Having fun? he asked. Yes, I enthusiastically replied. For the first time in ages, I felt attractive to women, and I liked the attention. Who is she? he asked, motioning toward the cocktail sitting on the counter in front of me. She's Tammy, I replied. She's some sort of college professor. Are you going to hook up? Dante asked excitedly. I hadn't been thinking about that, so I mumbled, Ah, too early to tell. Nodding, Dante continued over the blurring beat of the music. Well, Chief, I'm going to take off with those two ladies over there motioning with his hand across the club. Just take an Uber back to her place and have some fun. Whose place? I asked, confused. To that brunette's place, Tammy's, Dante exclaimed as he stood up to leave. Oh, okay, sure, I responded. But then, for some odd reason, as Dante was slurping down his cocktail, I added, Hey, thanks for all of this. And at the time, I meant it. Dante, flashing a charming smile, put his hand on my shoulder and leaned in to say, it's my pleasure. Now you, you need to go close the deal. Then I watched Dante, my mentor, saunter off. With an arm around each of the tall blondes, I watched as they left the club. After a few minutes of waiting for Tammy to return for her drink, I finally noticed her across the club with a new drink in hand, smiling and laughing and flirting with some other dude. Suddenly, I felt alone again, very alone. The next day, Dante called me to ask how I had made out. I told him the truth. I could hear the disappointment in his voice. After that, we spent several happy hours where he attempted to school me in the art of small talk and flirting. I tried, I really tried, but I was beginning to feel more and more uncomfortable in my LEJ cotton check blend twill shirts and my Koyo Capri Castanga leather sneakers. The next Friday, when I didn't have my kids for the weekend. We went out hunting again, and again a couple of Fridays after that. Oh, I would end up chatting with attractive women, but I kept making some fatal flaw that seemed to scare them off. Dante, as you could guess, 
was getting increasingly frustrated with me. Nevertheless, it didn't cramp his style. He continued hitting one home run after another. After a few more weeks of failures, Dante's frustration with me was palpable. Oddly though, he adopted a conciliatory tone and said, don't worry chief, I know what to do. The next day, at Dante's urging, we updated my Tinder profile. I had managed to grow a few inches thanks to my new disconnected pompadour hairstyle and a heavy measure of outright dishonesty. We also replaced my suburban dad pics, as Dante called them, with photos of me wearing a Masoni polo while sitting on the hood of Dante's Tesla Model S. As Dante explained, it suggested that I had taste and style, but I am still concerned for the environment, and that's a detail women these days are looking for. Even though I was beginning to feel more and more uncomfortable with where all of this was heading, it was working. My formerly silent Tinder profile suddenly was getting hits, which led to a couple of so-so meet-for-drink dates. But I still wasn't irresistible. In fact, I still hadn't even hit a single. Dante couldn't believe it either, so he took matters into his own hands and set up a blind date for me. According to Dante, this would be it. This would be the filly that I would be able to ride to use his parlance. And then, after learning how to ride again, I'd have my confidence restored and be back on my way toward the goal of irresistibility. After dinner and drinks, we actually ended up back at my place, but I mistakenly regressed into talking about my kids and how much I miss my former family life. After a while, she politely excused herself because, in her words, it was getting late. About an hour after she left, Dante was on the phone, screaming at me. You moron, he began. What's wrong with you? We just didn't click, I replied defensively. You don't need to click, he screamed. You just need to do the deed. She was a sure thing, chief, and you managed to derail that. What's wrong with you? I don't get you, he raved on and on. Do you need ED medication or something? No, it's nothing like that. Well then, what is it? I didn't have an answer. As Dante launched into another tirade, I hung up the phone. Later that night, as I was licking my wounds and hanging up my $2,700 Keton cashmere blazer, I began seriously questioning what I was doing and who I had tried to become. As I went to sleep, I found myself once again praying, praying to God to help me, to reconcile me with my ex-wife and bring my family back together. But once again, my prayers seemed to fall on deaf ears. God was still too busy with other problems to do anything for me, I guess. Dante and I avoided each other for the next several weeks. I knew he was disappointed in me, and I focused more on my kids, my job, and on controlling my expenses so I could pay off this enormous credit card debt. Then, one bright, sunny Sunday afternoon, I ran into him at a Starbucks. We exchanged pleasantries, and he asked if I was still scoreless, or if I had finally met someone. He noticed that I was back in my 1995 Gap wear, as he called it. Yeah, I said, I'm still scoreless. I know now that I'm just not ready, and I'm just who I am, one of the regular guys, I explained. I then felt this wave of anger well up in me. Uncharacteristically, I continued. Dante, I began, 
I did everything you said. I allowed myself to be dolled up like some idiotic fashion model. I spent tens of thousands of dollars on trendy, stylish clothes and hung out at all the cool clubs with you, just hoping to find a woman who would find me attractive. And look at me now. I'm broke, and I'm still a pariah when it comes to women. We had a deal, buddy. A deal you didn't live up to. Whoa. Hold on, Chief, Dante countered. I tried. I did everything in my power. You're the one who didn't keep up his end of the bargain. I even set you up with a sure thing, and you somehow managed to sabotage that. I did my part. I did everything in my power, and you still owe me your soul. That was when my suspicions were confirmed. Dante hadn't been speaking metaphorically all those months ago. He really was after my soul. How can I owe you my soul, I countered. Dante clasped his venti frappuccino defensively to his chest. He knew that I'd figured out a scheme. People in the Starbucks had noticed our argument and were trying to shy away from us. Two grown, middle-aged men who were shouting each other and now were silently staring each other down like two angry dogs, sizing each other up before a fight. Finally, Dante interrupted the awkward silence. You didn't do your part, Chief, he said, trying to use his deep, authoritative voice to belittle me. I did everything you told me to do, down to every detail, right down to the manicures and getting that silly haircut, I countered. Then Dante blew a fuse. He began ranting and raving about how stupid I was and how I had no common sense. Nobody wants to hear about your kids or your ex-wife or your alimony payments, he screamed. Then, seeing how his insults were not having an effect, Dante lowered his head and nodded. Okay, okay, okay. Look, man, he muttered. I tried. I really did. You have to admit that. I did everything I could to make you more attractive to women. But hey, sorry. I don't have anything more I can do. So, do I have my soul back? I asked pointedly. Ah, well, here's the thing. I really need your soul, Dante answered clearly. But you failed, I said, raising my voice. You didn't make me, and I quote, irresistible to women. That was the deal, right? The assistant manager of the Starbucks interrupted. Guys, I'm going to have to ask you to take this outside. You're disturbing the other patrons. Right, 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 muttered Dante, anxious to get away from the crowd. I followed Dante into the parking lot and again shouted, You failed, Dante. Don't you agree? Do you know how much time I have wasted on you, Dante countered? And just when things would start to pay off, you would end up flashing that leering smile of yours and creep out any woman who might be interested. You really are pathetic, you know that? You still failed, I insisted. Then, Dante shrugged his shoulders and, in slow motion, took a drink of his cappuccino. Finally, in a low voice, almost a whisper, he answered. Here's what I can do, he began. I'll give you your soul back if you promise not to tell anyone that I failed. I'll tell anyone I damn well please, I shouted while I poked Dante in the middle of his chest. Then continuing, you didn't keep your end of the bargain. Chief, I tried, Dante pleaded. Besides, I have a reputation to maintain. I'm still unattractive to women, and I will tell anyone I damn well please, I shouted. By that point, we had attracted an even larger crowd in the parking lot, all suddenly interested in our heated discussion. 
Okay, okay, okay. Deal's over, Dante shouted back, throwing his hands up in the air and spilling his frappuccino. I never had your soul anyway. I was just hoping you'd get lucky on your own. Then, satisfied, I nodded and began walking away when Dante shouted, Tell anyone you want. No one will believe you. No one listens to a pathetic loser like you anyway. That night, even though I had totally embarrassed myself at my local neighborhood Starbucks by shouting about what a failure I was with women, for the first time in years, I fell into a deep, restful sleep. A sleep where I began dreaming. Vivid dreams. At first, I dreamt that I was once again at the birth of my children where I relived the joy I felt when each of their lives entered the world. Next, I found myself bathed in a warm, comforting, and overwhelmingly accepting light. There, God spoke to me, directly to me in a language I didn't know, but fully understood. Paraphrasing, he said, I have heard your prayers, but understand this, I give each of my children free will. Continuing, God explained, this was never about you. This was about your ex-wife. I am proud of you. Rest now and know that when you are ready, I will take care of you. <laughs>